Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Okay, Mark 2, Mark 2 for me. Mark 2. Hey, we've been in a series. This is part three. If you haven't had a chance to be here, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. Really having a good time. Uh, Most of the time we're camped out here in Mark. Love the book of Mark. Our series is called Forward, and we're just trying to find ways to move forward. Uh, My hope, my heart is in the course of the series that you'll find ways, opportunities, and that you can start forward motion in your life as God intends. God's always moving. He wants us to move with them. I know a lot of times we have some obstacles in life. We'll talk about that a little bit today. But week one, we talked about just don't get stuck in your past. I find some of the biggest challenges for a believer to move forward in their life is carrying the baggage of the past, carrying the hurts of the past. And God has a way to help you get through that and to move forward in what he has for you. Uh, Last week, we talked about just getting closer to him, that a lot of times there's a distance between God and us. We've put that there. He did not. Uh, We've created walls or curtains or barriers uh, based on just things happening in our life. And he just wants us to get closer so we can close the gap. And in this week, we're going to talk about the door that he's, he's provided for you and how to walk in. I don't know if you see it this way or not, but God's created opportunities for you to walk through those doors of opportunity, but it doesn't always look the way that we want or hope or look that it will. And that's really the point of today's message. Let's take a look. Mark 2, verses 1 through 12. Here we go. One of my favorite passages. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, Capernaum is the town that he headquartered his ministry in. It's in the Galilee area. He was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth, but his ministry operated out of the Galilee area, out of the town of Capernaum, which means place of comfort. Hold on to that. We'll get back there in a second. The people heard that he had come home. And so they gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them, and since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, now let me just say this for a second, when Jesus saw, say saw, he saw their faith. Look at that in a minute. I just want to tell you that we believe in faith. We are a faith church, amen? We walk by faith, not by sight. But understand, faith has a corresponding action to it. He saw their faith. Faith in action. We'll get there in a minute. He's not talking about the faith of the man on the mat. So he saw the faith of the friends. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Interesting, that's not why the man was there. Now such teachers of the law, because there was a bunch of teachers and scribes gathered together to listen to Jesus, so the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, hmm, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. No one can forgive sins but God alone. And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that they, what they were thinking in their hearts. Now, I think that's kind of cool in one sense. See, Jesus would be a cool guy to hang out with sometimes. Right? Because when you're hanging out with him, you're thinking, okay, don't think anything bad. Don't think anything bad. Don't think anything bad. Don't think anything bad. But sometimes it could work to your friend. Teenagers would like to hang out with Jesus because they'd like to say, hey, is that girl thinking about me? Or <laughs> what's she thinking? You know, you want to know what's going on. But I love that Jesus has this ability to know your thoughts. So we're either willing to express them or not. He knows what's going on, on the inside. So you might as well tell him. And so he addresses their thoughts, what was in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take up your mat and walk. Now understand that back in that day, they associated sufferings with sin. 
And so Jesus was going to dispel that. He was going to change all that, partly through the story. And so they figured if there is a person suffering, it must have been because of some sin in his life. So he's addressing that issue as well. Which is easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Verse 12. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I love this story. There are so many gathered. In verse 2, it says, there are so many gathered in this room. There was, there's not even room at the door to get in the door or outside the door. And here they came, four guys helping their friend move forward. Sometimes you need some friends to help you move forward. You can't move forward on your own. Actually, God did not create it that way. He created it to have some friends come alongside you because you don't always have the ability, if you will, because of life. And we get, we get our focus off. We get uh, our faith diminished at times. And some, we need someone to come alongside of us and pick us up and encourage us and, and help us out relationally. The Bible's full of all that. And so we need to make sure that we surround ourselves with the right friends, good friends. And that's a whole other message right there. But He had friends helping them move forward only to find that there was no room. Can I tell you this morning, I have good news for you. There's always another door. There may not have been any room in the room, but there was another door or another way. God always has another way for you. But it doesn't always look like we want, hope, or think it should look like. Because we all would walk up to the front door and say, okay, here we are to get the need met. And all of a sudden, it's not what we thought. It's full of people. There's no way in. But God doesn't always use the obvious, amen, for the opportunity. In fact, a lot of our opportunities are are disguised in obstacles, and that's why we miss them. I heard somebody say this one time, because it doesn't look like the obvious. When we're going through a test or a trial, we want God to show up looking like Superman. But can I tell you, most of the time, God shows up looking like Clark Kent, (laughs) right? And so we're looking past Clark Kent, trying to find Superman, thinking all of a sudden the obvious has to come and rescue us when God's provision is already there. We just need to learn to see it. And so we'll miss it, and we have to just understand that the obvious is not always God's opportunity for you and I. So opportunities aren't always obvious, and so we can easily miss them. Now, your answer may not be the obvious, but don't miss the opportunity to move forward in the way God provides. So when God opens the door, the Bible says, no man can shut it. Come on, that's good news. When God opens the door, no man can shut it. When God decides to do something through your life, no season, no reason, no person can stop it but you. So you need to learn to walk through. Opportunity is not always obvious. In fact, opportunity is often hidden in obstacles. And I'm going to keep hammering that point because I want you to see it's not always the obvious. The doors can look differently. In fact, the doors can come in the form of conflict. And and I just want to say it this way uh, as an easy illustration. If you haven't even been in church uh, much of your life, we all probably know the story of David and Goliath and how the young shepherd boy David was anointed king. And one day his dad told him, he goes, go take this bread and cheese to your brothers who are gathered with the army facing the Philistines. And so as a good young man, uh, David took the bread and cheese and went on assignment to go see his brothers and give them the cheese. Now notice that Goliath did not seek David out. David wasn't even seeking Goliath. He was on assignment, and in the middle of his assignment, an obstacle arose for the people of God. What it was was an opportunity. Again, your opportunities can be disguised as obstacles, so don't despise them. Amen? 
And so all of a sudden the obstacle is there and it becomes an opportunity that helps launch David into that next season, which ultimately ends him to being king. He was always already anointed king, but now the opportunity came through the obstacle to get recognized. And so understand again that we don't always see the um, obstacle there as an opportunity. And most of the time, it comes looking like conflict. And that's why I love studying the life of Jesus. And I love studying it. In fact, in, fact in, in the book of Mark, it's one of my favorite books because, again, how he's described and how faith is described here. And here's why we, we, we see in this passage, uh, Jesus is headquartered in the area of Galilee, the town called Capernaum. Capernaum uh, means the place of comfort. Nahum, the minor prophet Nahum, means comfort. But can I tell you this? Jesus came and his ministry was headquartered in the place of comfort, but he did not come to make people comfortable. In fact, the Bible doesn't say that Jesus was the comforter. The Bible says Jesus went to the Father to send another, another like him, the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was the comforter. Jesus did not come to comfort. He came to confront. And it's interesting that the man who lived in the place called comfortable came to confront the comfortable. I mean, what did he confront? He confronted the religion of the day. He confronted the limited mindset that prevailed in the day about God relationally and the power of God being expressed. And so Jesus came not to, not to make things comfortable, but to confront the comfortable and help them understand that even the uncomfortable situation can be your door of opportunity. See, because we think the door of opportunity for you and I is always going to be packaged and comfortable. And more times than not, it's going to be that which is uncomfortable to you. So we can't miss it because Jesus came to confront the comfortable. But yet we live our life in a way that we miss so much because we think it should be packaged different. So Jesus comes and and, and he had come to, uh, in other words, make the comfortable uncomfortable and turn obstacles into opportunities and understand that open doors aren't always obvious Sometimes they're disguised as obstacles. Okay, everybody with me? That was the setup. Okay, here we go. All right, so, so he's teaching here in Mark 2. There's a crowd gathered, and then four men bring their friend, and they couldn't get in because of the crowd. I can't imagine the four guys. Can I tell you again, you need to have some people close to you, godly people close to you in life, because you need them. They need you. You need them. And so all of a sudden, here they go, carrying this man who has been paralyzed his whole life. And so they must have heard something about Jesus being a healer, doing miracle working power. And so I can imagine the journey as they're gathering corners of the mat, if you will, and it might have been heavy. The journey might not have been easy or simple, and it might have been hot. Who knows? But nonetheless, here they come with high hopes, and all of a sudden they get to the obvious entrance, and it is blocked. It is not open. And so you could imagine the disappointment, perhaps, that they must have felt. And I like to think of it this way. They had high hopes, or let me say it this way, their hopes were through the roof. Didn't work for a service either. It was the same response for us. I should, I'm one day I'm going to learn not to tell bad jokes in both, okay? So, all right. Anyway, so let's move on quickly. Uh, they, were, they were met at the door, and, and I want to show you today that there's doors in our life that are not maybe obvious, but they are opportunities that God wants to use. And so they go to the front door, and they cannot get in. So the first door represents the door of disappointment. How disappointing it must have been after carrying your friend all this way to find out there's no room, no way to get in. And these men were met at the door of disappointment. Now, if they were like many of us, come on, if they were like many of us, that would have been enough for them to quit, turn around, and go home. 
How many times have we looked at the obvious door and it wasn't what we thought and we have left disappointed? How many times has disappointment kept us from walking in the things that God has for us? But I'm thankful for four guys here that would not take disappointment for an answer, if you will. But disappointment keeps many of us from moving forward. We think things like, and let's just be honest, right? So the theology might be, we think things like, because of disappointment, well, if it was God's will for him to heal him today, there would have been an open door. Can I tell you, maybe God wanted to do it a different way than you thought was the way God should do it. Maybe God wants to work through the things that aren't obvious so we can learn a lesson about God. So we don't start creating formulas about God. In fact, if you look in the scripture, God healed people numerous, a multitude of ways, most different than the time before. Because he didn't want people to get comfortable, he wanted them to be dependent on him, not in their own strength idea or formula. And so sometimes we'll turn away from a door of disappointment and go home or give up. Can I tell you, the man on the mat was used to disappointment. I mean, you can imagine his whole life was facing disappointment. I mean, he had to be disappointed every time he saw people walk around or jump or play or enjoy that. Can I tell you, I'm thankful his friends didn't get caught up in disappointment. Come on, sometimes you need some friends that are going to stand with you. You need some friends that are going to support you. You need some friends that are going to, when you're disappointed, they're not going to let you lay down on your mat. And these four said, hey, we didn't carry you all the way on this mat to turn around and go home now. In fact, I can imagine elbowing each other. It's like, I'm not carrying his weight all the way back home. I'll tell you that. I signed on for a one-way trip, right? So the door of disappointment's there. Sometimes you got, and here's what I think on that. They came together and said this, we need to go up. Okay, obviously this door's not going to work, but we need to go up. Sometimes you got to change levels. Sometimes you can't get in a door because that's not the door God's calling you to. God's calling you to something higher. Come on, somebody. God's calling you to something higher so he didn't open that door for you because you were settling for something right here. Let me say it this way because this will hit home with some people. Can I tell you that that rejection you got relationally was God shutting a door because he's calling you to something higher because that person would have been a ceiling in your life. Can I tell you, sometimes that job that you're facing or that relationship or friendship needs to end and God shuts the door there because God's calling you something higher in your life and you're putting a ceiling on what God wants to do. Come on, somebody. God's calling you to something higher. Come on, who believes God's calling them something higher? Come on. God's calling me something higher. So I can't settle for the obvious at times. And so sometimes God will shut the door. And if we don't learn that God has then another door, we can keep moving and find that instead of give up and quit in our disappointment. Man, God's calling us higher all the time. God's calling us higher. So they go up and they do not find a door. And so what do they do? They make a door. Have you ever had to make your own door? Come on, sometimes one of the greatest things that can happen in your life is to be turned away at the front door because you discover there's another door, there's another way. See, this door is for the people who have determined, I'm not going back. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I am determined. I'm going to keep moving forward in God. And so Mark in his gospel mentions faith several times. Many great stories of faith in his gospel. And each time he mentions it, he does not mention faith by talking about an attitude, but he talks about faith as an action. Come on, somebody. The Bible says faith without works is dead. You need to have a corresponding action. He's not talking about just talking and saying things. And I get frustrated sometimes. I'm talking to somebody and they're talking about their faith for this and their faith for that. And I so want to say, what are you doing about it? Well, I'm thankful I got people in my life calling me out on stuff sometimes because I can get there. 
But God has another door, but he expects you to do something. So sometimes you gotta make your own door. So faith is the, faith is the, the response to something that you believe your action to what you can't see, but you believe it to be true. Faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mark 2, 5 says this, when Jesus saw their faith. What's that word? When Jesus what? Saw. When he saw their faith. He wasn't standing around these four guys shouting down at Jesus from the hole in the roof. Hey, Jesus, we have great faith. And we have we all this. That's all we talked about. That's what you're going to do. We believe that you can do it. He says, when he saw their faith. They made their own door, and they lowered their friend. It says, when they saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. It was that they refused to go home easily. I love that. Refused to go home easily. You know what? I'm not the guy who turns around and goes home when the doors don't open for me. I'm not, I'm, this church, 37 years, can I tell you how many closed doors there's been in 37 years? Can I tell you how many people say, you can't do that, you'll never do that? Can I tell you, we are not a church that goes home because of a closed door. We know there's another way. God has another way. See, if you just have four good friends, you can find another door. Hey, look, and sometimes it's you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right there is four. You can find another way. You can find another door. We don't quit and go home. They were like, no way we're going home. I signed up for a one-way trip. We're going to get up on that roof. We're going to go to another level. We're going to make a door. It's like this. No way I'm going to give up on my marriage. I'm going to find another door. I'm going to find another way. Oh, she may have quit. Everybody may be telling her to quit. It's never going to work, but I'm going to love her still. I'm going to find another way through love. I'm going to find another way through serving her. I'm going to find another way through repentance. I'm going to find another way through humility. You know what? I'm not giving up on my kids. I don't know what happened to them. It seems like the aliens came and abducted them and replaced them with somebody else. But I'm not giving up on my kids. I'm not giving up when they walk away from God. I'm going to find another door. I'm going to find another way. I'm not giving up because I got a doctor's report. I'm not giving up because I lost my job. I'm going to find another door. I'm going to find another way. Hey, if nothing else, I got the Father, Son, Holy Ghost in me. That's four right there. There's another door. You can find another door. You got to make a door. There's not one there. Jesus was teaching. Jesus wasn't even healing. This was not a healing crusade. There's people of the law gathered there. How boring must that have been, right? <laughs> and he's just teaching these people and they're gathered. It's not a healing crusade. And it was full of teachers of the law. Some of the greatest opportunities are not obvious and a lot of what you read in Mark, uh, interestingly enough, a lot of what you read in Mark, Mark saw and he's writing that, but also Peter was telling him some stuff that Mark was writing. Let's take a look in Matthew. I, I want to compare and contrast. Matthew wrote this story this way in Matthew 9 two. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sons are forgiven. What did Matthew leave out that Mark did not? It's the same story. You know what Mark did? Mark said, probably because Peter's telling him because Peter would be that guy. No, no, tell him about when they ripped the hole in the roof. Tell him when they tore open the roof and lowered the guy down. And Matthew's just like this sweet little story. I'm not, not being like, but here's what we want. We want this sweet little story about, oh yeah, we came to Jesus and Jesus was so nice and he healed us and all this kind of stuff. But Mark is saying because Peter's there speaking in his ear, hey, it didn't matter when the door was blocked. They ripped the roof open and they lowered him down and God moved and did something great. Can I tell you, it's not always gonna be a nice, neat little package the way that you want or hope it to be. Sometimes you got to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty and start digging in the dirt and pulling away the wood and the dirt out of the way to get to Jesus. 
It's just that way. And you know what? Everybody needs a group of friends like this, but in your group of friends, you need at least one good, crazy person that's crazy. One good person, Christian, that's crazy. You need that. The other three might have been honest ones like, dude, we can get up on the roof. We can pull that thing apart. And the other song about that's not even our house. It doesn't matter. Everybody needs one of those. All right. I wonder what, I wonder what Jesus was thinking when those guys were up there. And they dug through the roof, made their own door. Are you willing to get your hands dirty for your miracle? It's not always going to be the obvious, nice, clean, neat thing. Sometimes it gets messy standing, amen? Sometimes it gets messy pursuing Jesus. Sometimes it can get messy in your marriage, but you've got to keep digging. Sometimes it gets messy with your kids, your friends, but you've got to keep digging. Your miracle's not always going to come in the obvious. Night, sneak, patch. Sometimes it's going to come through conflict. It's going to be, the opportunity's going to be disguised as an obstacle. And Jesus looks up and sees him dig through the dirt and can imagine he's there preaching and we can all envision the story and dirt's kind of falling. He's maybe sidestepping or whatever's happened and looks all of a sudden. Come on, those aren't easy roofs to get through. When we were in Israel, we saw a roof just like that. It had dirt, it had beams, it had mats, it had like caliche kind of stuff holding it together and being water resistant, all layer upon layer of stuff so it could be livable. This was no easy task. And I can imagine the work and, and, and tearing through all that stuff. And I can just imagine Jesus when the man was laid at the feet looking up at those guys and saying, man, good job, boys. I'm a carpenter. I know how those things are put together. You did good getting through that. But this is totally just me. I can't prove this in scripture. But I can also say, Jesus like, wow, you dug through a lot of dirt. You know what? You remind me of me. I was looking down to my nice, neat place down on the earth below me. And I knew I had to come down and do something. And I had to dig through the dirt of humanity. I had to dig through the sin. I had to dig through the mess. I had to dig through the muck. And I left my clean space and came down into the dirt of this world for you. Good job, boys. Good job. That's just me. I can't prove that in the scripture, but that's just me. They, Jesus looks down and says, Sons, your sin, son, your sin is forgiven. Yeah, I love that. Son, your sin is forgiven. Now think about this for a second because the other four guys right there just worked really hard to get there, carrying them for who knows how long, getting up there, digging through the roof, lowering them down. And Jesus looks at him, finally, finally. Maybe the guys are huddled up like together, arms around each other like this. And here it comes, man, here it comes. And Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And I can imagine those guys saying, What did he say? What? Did I hear that right? Did anybody, any of you hear him say anything about healed? Okay, that's great, Jesus, and his sins are forgiven. That's cool, and that's necessary. But hey, what about fixing his legs? That's why we brought him. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Did you guys hear that? I didn't hear that. Jesus didn't say anything about fixing his legs. The question is, what do you do when God passes what you want for what you need? What do you do when God, we say it this way, bypasses what you want to give you what you need? <laughs> See, God wants to give you what you need. See, he wants to change you from the inside out. So we're looking at the outside. We're looking at the obvious, and God's looking at something deeper. So sometimes the obstacles that are in before us, we're looking for the easy, obvious, and God wants you to walk through. He wants you to make your own door. He wants you to push through the opposition. He wants you to push through disappointment because he's looking to do a work in you. God wants to do something in you so he can do something through you. But what do you do when God bypasses what you want to give you what you need? The obvious thing to do for Jesus is to heal the man. But sometimes before God will do what is obvious and change your situation, he wants to work within you and change you. 
And then you can change your situation. Before Jesus did something for him, he wanted to do something in him. Understand, Jesus is more concerned about the change in you than the change to you. See, and you gotta have the right four. The wrong four would have dropped them off. Here you go, man, we got you here. Good luck. The wrong four would have taken him home. The right four laid him at the feet of Jesus. But listen, there's more than just the man on the mat in the story. There's more than just the four friends in the story. And there's more than just Jesus in the story. There's very important characters that are gathered here. And so when Jesus saw that his friend, what his friends did for the man, he forgave him, but the man was still on the mat. When Jesus heard the thoughts of the critics, he healed the man. Did you get that? What his friends did got him forgiven. What his haters thought got him healed. It was Jesus' response to the man's opposition that opened healing. Now think about that for a second because that's another door. There's another door. It's the door. Second door is this, the door of opposition. Sometimes opposition of the enemy is the opportunity of God. And just because you're facing opposition doesn't mean that God's not there with you in that. Because on the opposite side of your opposition could be the greatest opportunity. Opposition could be the door to your greatest opportunity ever. So we don't turn back because we face opposition. In fact, that's probably a good sign you're doing the right thing. Man, this is all going crazy in my life right now. I must be headed in the wrong direction. I must be on the wrong path. Chances are you're exactly doing what you're supposed to be doing, so the enemy comes to oppose you. And in the middle of that opposition, God loves to open the door in the middle of opposition. Why? Because then you'll have a greater trust. He's not going to take you around it, over, under it. He's going to take you through it because he wants to do something in you, not just something to you. So opposition doesn't mean closed door. It means there's another door that God wants to get greater glory, but you'll have to walk through it. Opposition is another door. Opposition of the enemy is the opportunity of God. See, God will open a door because the enemy opposes you. Sometimes if there's no opposition, there's no opportunity. Sometimes if there's no haters, there's no help. Sometimes if there's no resistance, there's no resilience. Sometimes if there's no obstacle, there is no miracle. The opposition provides the opportunity. My wife and I are going with five other team members. In just two weeks, we're going to be in India. And can I tell you, there is great opposition to the gospel in India but there's great revival. There's great opposition to the gospel in China, but there's great revival. In India, we'll go see and hear stories of your missionaries that you support, we'll bring them back. There are signs, wonders, and miracles that you can't even imagine because there's great opposition from the devil there. Sometimes your greatest opposition is really your greatest opportunity. So don't turn back and don't stop. Keep moving forward. So here's the opposition there. And they provide the opportunity. The opposition is the opportunity. There's another door. And there's another door called number three, obedience. There's a door of obedience. See, it's the trust God in an impossible situation door. There was something he had to do. There's something the man had to do to be healed. See, faith expresses itself in action. The Bible says faith without works or action is dead. Mark 2, 10 through 12 says this. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took up his mat, 
and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Jesus says, so that they, they not being the four, they not being the man on the mat, they being the haters of the opposition, so they, a lost world, knows who I am. Basically, what he was saying is, listen, everybody, this is bigger than just you. God wants to give you a win, but he's in for a win-win. He wants to give you a win, and he needs your obedience so not just you get your need met, but so other people will look at amazement and say, you know what, maybe there really is a God. Maybe there really is a God. Your obedience is bigger than you. He said, I want to do something, I want you to do something practical. Take that thing you car- that carried you, they carried you in on, and instead of it holding you, you're going to be holding it. See, here's the reality. Some of us are still laying on the mat. That man came through the roof, but he left out the front door, the door that other people wouldn't let him in. And he did it in front of all the people. Think about that for a second, the courage that must have taken this man. This man needed to walk through the door of obedience because the people watching this man didn't even want him in there. They wouldn't let him in. It didn't matter if there was a guy on a mat. You know, we would think most people, hey, guys, got a guy on a mat. Come on, we need to get him to Jesus. No one moved aside to let him in. No one wanted to give up their space. Dude, this isn't a healing time. We're here to hear the teacher teach. The man must have felt rejected his whole life as well. This man interrupted their service. All of a sudden, Jesus is teaching, and the roof starts falling apart. And they, come on, who's doing that? What's going on? We're, he's riding a good point right here. Uh, they, they didn't like the fact that Jesus thinks he can forgive this man. Who does he think he is forgiving people? They must have been, they, they must have been uh, upset, shocked, that this friends would dig a hole. Maybe people sitting in there know the owner of the house. He's not gonna like this. They're just tearing a hole in his roof right now. I just can't believe they're doing that. The courage it must have taken this man to get up and be obedient to God. And now he has to get up and walk in front of all of them. He has to get up in the face of conflict. He has to get up in the face of doubt. He has to get up in the face of his critics. He has to get up in the face of embarrassment, get up in the face of disappointment. He has to do it in the face of people who didn't even want him in the room. I wonder, are you willing in the face of fear, in the face of doubt, in the face of worry, in the face of weakness, in the face of embarrassment, in the face of disappointment, and it may be even having those your whole life, will you get up? Will you get up? Will you be obedient? And here's why that's so important, not just so you can have your miracle, if you will, but listen to what Jesus said. When that man got up, he did it so all will know, not only will you get up so your need can be met, but will then you become a door? Will you become a door? Your obedience and walking through what God has set before you in the midst of disappointment and rejection, hurt possibly your whole entire life, sin, addiction, generational things, your obedience getting up and walking through that door just might be the door somebody else is looking for. Because now they see what's happened to you. And now, and now, as I said, when that happened to that man, they all looked on him with amazement. They were amazed at what Jesus did. That man then became the door to Jesus for them. Oh, if nothing else, if we won't do it for ourselves, will you get up and be obedient to the things of God so a lost humanity can see that there's a door that Jesus has provided for us to walk through? 
Our obedience not only opens the door for our miracle, but it opens the door. It becomes then the door for others to see the miracle working God. He wants to show somebody who he is through you. There's another door, last one. Revelation. Revelation. The people were not amazed when the roof came off. The people were not amazed when the sins were forgiven. The people were not necessarily amazed at the teaching. The people were amazed when the man got up. See, they weren't amazed by the teaching necessarily. They were amazed by his demonstration of power. There are some of us who need to become a door for people to see Jesus through our life. And we need the power of God operating in our lives. Saying, hey, who's he going to pick? Is he going to pick the religious crowd? Is he going to pick just the pastor? Is he going to pick people that look like they have it all together for his power to show through, for them to be the door? Look, they got it together. They should be the door. They should. Here's who he's going to pick. He's going to pick paralyzed people. Paralyzed people who are paralyzed by fear, by shame, by guilt, by addiction, by rejection, by abuse, by sin, maybe their whole life and the, and the parents before them and parents before them. He's looking for those that are paralyzed, have been afraid to move and to walk through, move forward and walk through the amazing thing that he has for your life. No, he's going to pick the preacher. He's going to pick the worship pastor. No, he's going to pick people who have quit living life that have laid down in disappointment. The people that have turned away at opposition who, has been, who have been disobedient. And here's my hope for today. I want us, me, the team here, I want us to be like the four guys who are determined, no matter what, to put you at the feet of Jesus today. No matter what, the whole reason, the whole reason why we meet today is not to have another service or because it's Sunday. It's what churches have to do. The whole reason why we've prayed and studied and prepared and, 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 and worshiped, and, the whole reason was to be the four men that would put you at the feet of Jesus this morning. That is the whole reason why we're here. So that you can do what Jesus says in John 10, 9. Look at it with me, John 10, 9. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door, Jesus says. If anyone, say anyone, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. We just want to lay you at the foot of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the door, and if you will have the courage today to get up off your mat and walk through, Jesus is there with your miracle. And so how do we do that? Can I tell you this? Praise walks you through the door of Jesus. Worship walks you through the door of Jesus. A shout of the name of Jesus walks you through the door of Jesus. So church, let's walk through that door now. Let's get up on our feet. And one more time, we're gonna enter into this. And this may seem weird to you, but it may be uncomfortable to you, but God loves to move through the uncomfortable. And if you will just walk through that door with your praise, with your worship, with your shout, he is there. Let's sing. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. 
or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.